Welcome to Basis Juice presented by PointsBet Sportsbook. I'm the prop queen, Ariel Epstein. Happy Friday. I love letting you guys go into the weekend, sending you through with some best bets. First, if you followed on social media yesterday, we made back some of the money for a horrendous beginning of the week, cashing 2-0 yesterday in afternoon games. For today's show, we'll recap yesterday's small slate. Making her basis juice debut, Detroit Tigers reporter, especially for the minor leaguers, Emily Walton, will join the show coming up next. Perfect timing with the Tigers sweep of the Mets. Picks for tonight's game will be at the end of the show, as always. Let's start with the New York Mets. This was supposed to be your week, Mets fans. How does a team get back two pitchers, two of your one-two punch, your aces, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, who have a combined six Cy Youngs? They still get swept by the Detroit Tigers. The Tigers, a team that's 13-7 and seven straight up this season. The only silver lining. It was Verlander's first start of the season due to a low-grain muscle strain near his pitching shoulder. He gave up back-to-back home runs in the first inning, then threw four more shutout innings after. He still got the loss. The Mets lost. They were shut out. 2 nothing. New York, they were minus 180 on the money line, but the Tigers a plus 155 home dog. Oddsmakers had a feeling it would be a low-scoring game. That total dropped from 8.5 to 7.5 overnight. To put it in perspective, usually these games drop by a half a run, not a full run. Here's the Mets' problem, starting with lefties. When the facing when facing lefties this year, the Mets, they just can't score. They're averaging just below three runs per game every time a lefty's on the mound. That's 28th in Major League Baseball. Miraculously, the Mets are tied for second place in the National League East. They are six games behind the Atlanta Braves. Atlanta gained a game on the division with a win over the Marlins 6-3. The Marlins are tied with the Mets for second place of the division. Braves DH, Marcelo Zuna, homered for the third time in two games to complete the sweep over Miami. Right fielder Ronald Acuna Jr. continues to be an MVP candidate. He's hitting 355. He stole his 15th base. That leads Major League Baseball. Unfortunately, Acuna keeps putting himself in harm's way. Unintentionally, of course. Acuna fouled a ball off his left knee and had to leave the game in the sixth inning. He did finish the at-bat. He did start in the outfield in the bottom of the frame. However, Braves manager Brian Snickers said after the game, Acuna is fine. He was just having trouble bending his knee. They wanted to make sure that he got the proper treatment right away. He was taken out precautionarily. If that, precautionarily. Anyway, on Monday, during the second game of the Braves doubleheader with the Mets, Acuna got hit on the back of his shoulder, got removed from the game immediately. Please keep Ronald Acuna Jr. healthy. The three-time All-Star deserves an MVP. He's like Joel Embiid in the NBA. Just can't stay healthy. If he did, he would have won one by now. He has the second-highest batting average in the National League behind Marlins second baseman Luis Arise. He's got the second-most hits in baseball behind Toronto's Beau Bichette. Oh, and he's making an impact on the bases, leading the league in stolen bases. Battled back from a torn right ACL back in 2021, Acuna. Give this man his MVP. He's got the best odds on points bet sportsbook to win it in the NL at plus 175. He's light years away from the next best option. The Mets first baseman Pete Alonso's eight to one, followed by Dodgers all-star Mookie Betts at 15 to one. I'm not telling you to bet it. Just saying plus 175. He's just a month and a half into the season. However, if Acuna stays healthy and maintains even close to this pace, he's got to win this. Just keep him on the field. Keeping it in the National League, yesterday's fishy line, the Nats and the Cubs. The Nats upset the Cubs 4-3 at plus 165 on the money line. The line moved 15 cents in favor of the in favor of the Nats, and that was with their lefty Patrick Corbin on the mound. Ugh. 
despite majority of action on the Cubs, we had to back Patrick Corbin yesterday. I was so scared, scared as hell, so I took plus one and a half at even money. They won outright, so yeah, I could have taken money line, whatever. Sharps knew something because Corbin, who hasn't had an ERA below a five since 2020, was getting love overnight. <laughs> that sounds wrong. Cubs right-hander Jameson Tyone came off the IL, making his first start since April 15th due to a groin injury. The Cubs said he'd be on a pitch limit, would not go more than five. He didn't end up going more than three. He allowed three runs in those three innings. The Nats have won eight of their last 13 games, while the Cubs have lost eight of their last 12. In the American League, the Tampa Bay Rays advanced to 17-2 at home. They swept the Pittsburgh Pirates 3-2 yesterday. Rays right-hander Zach Eflin threw seven shutout innings, allowing three hits, striking out 10. The two runs to the Pirates were allowed by the Rays reliever, Jason Adam, in the top of the ninth. Adam got out of the game. He picked up the save. It just was close. You lost the run line if you laid the runs. However, the Rays still won money line. If it was Aaron Boone of the Yankees, he would have managed this game crazy and probably would have pulled the player, and then they would have lost the game. So good job by the Rays for keeping their closer in, despite the fact they were nervous he gave up two runs. The Rays moved from minus 180 to minus 195 overnight for yesterday's game. Now back to Eflin. The umpires had Eflin remove his wedding ring from his glove hand before starting the second inning. Eflin said other umpire crews have let him wear the ring. He's been wearing it since 2021. He would have been ejected, this umpire crew said, if it wasn't removed. Eflin got married in 2020. He put the ring in his pocket. He put the ring on a necklace later. Seriously, this is what we're worried about, umpires. If you want, check the ring for sticky stuff. If that's your concern, fine, check the ring. If there's no sticky stuff on the ring, who cares if he's wearing his wedding band the last two years? No one else does. It's just you. This is also coming after we saw the umpires decide to eject Pittsburgh manager Derek Shelton for arguing about how the pitch clock was operating at times. That just happened the day before that, Saturday. Several pirate, or excuse me, I keep thinking it's the weekend. That was on Wednesday. Was operating uh, poorly with the pitch clock. Several pirates complained about home plate umpire Manny Gonzalez yesterday because of the strike zone. Seven of the pirates' 10 strikeouts against Eflin came on strike three. Shelton was asked if he thought the umpires were taking it out on the team after he was ejected the day before. His response was, quote, I would hope not. You should call the game how it should be. All I know, our hitters had a lot of questions about pitches, unquote. Come on, umps. Let's be consistent. Don't be so obvious. In like, come on, whatever. And more positive news. Back to the Rays. The Rays opened up Randy Land in left field for their outfielder, Randy Arozarena. If the Rays home run leader hits a home run, Legal age fans get a free beer. Rosarena said, quote, I'm hoping to hit a home run so that everybody drinks happily. It may be the only reason to ever go to the Trop. Well, I guess my Yankees are in town this weekend to cap off Ravelry Week at the MLB. That place will be filled with New York transplants this weekend. I'm probably not going to go. Whatever. I'll be in Tampa, though, so if anyone's there, let me know. Coming up next, Tigers reporter Emily Walden will join the show. Stay right here on Basis Juiced. Welcome back to Basis Juiced. I am so excited for this next guest. I have been trying to speak to her for years over the phone, on Zoom. We love DMing on Twitter. Baseball America's minor league baseball aficionado, Emily Walden. Emily, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. You do have one of the best cameras in your car I've ever seen. Most people's are shaky and horrible. I appreciate the high quality effort. Now, we've got a really good spot for you because even though you do a lot of minor league baseball coverage, you focus a lot on the Detroit Tigers. The Tigers are coming off a sweep of the New York Mets. Hey, 
It just shows anything's possible for the future of the Tigers. How does the future look for this Detroit franchise? I would say curious as of right now. <laughs> still, still obviously a lot of question marks. Um, I think with the change in the front office by adding Scott Harrison to the mix uh, following the departure of Alavila, that really sort of shifted the direction of what fans could expect. Um, obviously, you get a brand new vision. You get um, some additions that he pulled in to work alongside him to sort of reshape what that future vision looks like. And in addition to him with Ryan Garko, I think it just brings a freshness to the player development side of things. And that's really, from a minor league standpoint, that's really what the Tigers fan base was looking for to try to get some hope and excitement for the future. The future is hopefully bright. However, one key piece of what the Tigers have really had for the last few, for the while now, has been the future Hall of Famer, Miguel Cabrera. He's retiring after the season, currently hitting 189. On the field, not so great. Off the field, huge impact, especially with the younger players in the Tigers organization. Who's going to replace Miguel Cabrera? Oh, that's such a multifaceted question because obviously he is a larger-than-life personality in so many senses of the word. And if you talk to the younger players in the clubhouse, they're just absolutely in awe of the way he approaches the game, the fact that he just remains like a big kid when it comes to how he approaches the game. He never takes himself too seriously on the field, but you still see him putting in the work. And I think for the minor league guys especially, that's someone to aspire to follow in their footsteps. And he's also very intentional about stepping in and trying to sort of take some of these younger guys under his wing because he remembers the pressure of it. He remembers coming into an organization when he first joined Detroit. So he's done a very good job at trying to bring in another generation of these younger players and just share the um, opportunity that he's been given and try to make the most of it with um, the way that they're developing. You focus a lot on the minor league system in with Detroit. Who are some of the key players we should be looking out for that might be making their major league debut soon? Yeah, a couple in particular. One of my favorites is Colt Keith. Um, he actually just finished a stint in Arizona last fall in the Arizona Fall League, was coming off of some injury, and really was focused on just getting his confidence back. Um, he unfortunately ran into um, some unplanned things. And of course, as any player will tell you, it's really more of a mental thing than it is physical. So walked through his rehab, had a very strong fall campaign. And now he's currently on assignment with AA Erie. Um, still just 21 years old. Um, still some questions about where he'll end defensively. Um, he's been doing a little bit of work at the third base corner, but offensively looks very, very sound. And then another one is who the Tigers just acquired recently in their trade for Joe Jimenez with the Braves, and that's Justin Henry Malloy. Um, been on an absolute offensive tear with AAA Toledo, and there's still a little bit of question with him, um, as with a lot of these younger players, where he will stick defensively. Um, he was playing at third base. They shifted him into left field. And there are some scouts that say that he could potentially see some time at first base, but that's really going to depend on where the biggest need is in Detroit system. And obviously, as we know, Spencer Torkelson is really what we refer to as probably the truest first base option for the Tigers right now. 
So if it came down to needing another backup, he may be a good fit in the future just because of his size. How does somebody get into covering minor league baseball for a living? Oh, my goodness. What a story that would be. We could save a whole episode about that. (laughs) Um, It really comes down to just a passion for the game. I grew up around the game. I've always enjoyed writing and started to develop a fascination for the stories that weren't being told about the players. Obviously, you get a lot of um, information from a scouting standpoint, but you don't really get to hear who they are. So I think being able to just sit down, get to know the players, get to know their families, in addition to my player evaluation reports, it really just created a fun, well-rounded experience and obviously something that the fans have really enjoyed. Your story is incredible. You are standing up to cancer. You're working every day. You're also fighting off this horrible disease. How close are you to striking out cancer? Oh, I am so, so, so excited. (laughs) Um, I only have one more treatment left. Um, It's going to be May 23rd. Um, It'll be my 14th chemo infusion. And someone asked me the other day, they said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'll probably just sit and cry out about a year and a half worth of tension that I've built up this whole time. But um, in all honesty, I'm absolutely just over the moon. It's been a journey of really figuring out a new level of strength that I didn't realize that I had, but also just making that step to share my journey, which obviously is a very personal experience, but I looked at it as an opportunity to hopefully bring some inspiration to people going through the same thing. Um, And you have days that are extremely ugly. You have days that, you know, could be your, you know, not the greatest, but they're also not the worst. And that's kind of where I'm at right now, just working through some of the final side effects of this most recent treatment this week. But you learn to really, really count your blessings. And I think the thing I'm looking forward to the most is being back at the ballpark with a clear head, reconnecting with some of these people who I haven't seen in a while from missing most of last season, and just being able to keep spreading the word about, um, you know, being motivated and and doing your best to tap into the strength that we all know that we have inside. It's absolutely amazing. I can't wait to celebrate with you. Hopefully we get to reunite in New York City. And there's a player in Major League Baseball who can unfortunately relate to what you're going through, and that's White Sox right-hander Liam Hendricks. He's expected to make his 2023 debut next weekend. Hendricks is in remission from Stage 4 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. How incredible is what he's doing making this comeback so quickly? Oh, my gosh. I could go on and on and on about Liam and his wife. They are two of the most beautiful people that I've ever encountered. Uh, We had the opportunity to speak briefly when I was out at the Futures game in Denver, Colorado in 21, and just two incredibly genuine people. They are always looking for opportunities to impact those around them, stepping in to do work with charities, interacting with the fans, very active on social media. And Liam is such an incredible spokesperson. And I personally drew inspiration from how he handled himself in my own situation just because we all have that choice of deciding how we're going to approach it. Are we going to let, you know, frustration get to us or are we going to choose joy and are we going to choose to persevere? And I think Liam just did an outstanding job with that. And I'm sure White Sox fans are absolutely thrilled that he's on his way back. They definitely need him. That division in the central is just horrendous. Liam Hendricks, a huge arm to add to that White Sox rotation, especially if he comes out of the pen. How can people help strike out cancer, Emily? 
I would say really just focusing on promoting early testing. Um, I think that that applies to any form of cancer, just because a lot of us were wired to trust the direction of the healthcare specialist. But I think there's not enough said as far as listening to your body, listening to your own warning signs or red flags that you might come across, make sure to make yourself a priority. And I think that in this case, I was very fortunate. Liam is very fortunate. Um, my good friend, Amanda Cool, whose husband is with the Nationals organization, she's going through her own breast cancer journey right now. And she and I were just talking about the importance of listening and making sure that we prioritize our own mental health and physical health. So listening to it, promoting it, encouraging your friends to get tested, and hopefully we'll be able to keep this thing more at bay. Emily Walden, baseball aficionado, especially for minor league baseball for Baseball America. Emily, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. It's so good to be here with you. Coming up next here on Bases Juiced, I've got my best bets for tonight's slate in Major League Baseball. Stay right here. Welcome back to Bases Juiced presented by PointsBet Sportsbook. Let's dive into picks for tonight's games. Starting with the Red Sox at the Phillies. Phillies minus 160, Sox plus 130, totals 8. My favorite play, Phillies right-hander Zach Wheeler under 6.5 strikeouts. I got this last night at even money. Wheeler only faced one other team this year with a low K rate, Cincinnati. He had five strikeouts and just over five innings pitched. You might think, oh, Wheeler's really good at home, right? Yeah, well, last year against low K rate teams, he went under this in four of those five matchups at home. The Red Sox have the lowest K rate in baseball against right-handers. They're averaging just under four strikeouts a game when facing the Red Sox. In fact, Right-handed starters, 16 of 21 of them went under their strikeout prop against the Red Sox this year. Under six and a half strikeouts for Wheeler. I'd also take a shot at the over five and a half strikeouts for Red Sox southpaw Chris Sale. Against the only other team this year that he faced that has a high K rate, he ended up with seven strikeouts in five innings at Detroit, and then he had one other game, 11 strikeouts in six, hosting the Twins. With Philly, they only the highest strikeout rate against lefties, with lefty starters averaging six strikeouts per game against them. If you can find a five and a half on sale, that's the number I would take. I did see some six and a halves already. I bet it last night over five and a half minus 140. If you don't see a five and a half anymore, then stay off the six and a half. That's way too high. I didn't bet this one. However, I do lean towards the good price at minus one and a half in plus money on Philly's run line. Wheeler has won each of his last three starts. Although the Red Sox are hot right now, that six-game winning streak all came at Fenway Park. The Sox are below 500 when on the road. It's because of the hitting. Boston has the best batting average in the league when playing at home hitting 297. On the road, that dropped way down to 237. As long as the Phillies' bats come alive at home, they should win this game by two. Not an official play. I like the minus one and a half, though it's where I'd lean. The Colorado Rockies are facing the New York Mets. They're in New York. The Mets are a heavy home favorite at minus 250, total of eight and a half. The Mets right-hander Cody Senga is on the mound. Kodai Senga, I keep doing that. Kodai Senga is getting the start for the Mets. His strikeout prop is five and a half. I like the over at minus 130. In four of Senga's five starts, he has faced a high K rate team. In three of those four starts, he has had at least six strikeouts. It's that ghost fork ball that's throwing off these teams that he's getting batters to strike out on. The Rockies have the 12th highest K rate in baseball against right-handers. Those righty starters averaging just over five strikeouts a game. They have never seen a pitch like this ghost fork ball before. I like it. The first time they're seeing Senga, I'll go over five and a half strikeouts for Kodai Senga. One team I refuse to bet against this year, the Baltimore Orioles, especially full game. 
They're at Atlanta. They're plus 175 the O's on the money line as Road Dogs. Atlanta's minus 210, total 8.5. I'll take the plus 1.5 on the run line with the Orioles at minus 110. Baltimore is 10-0 and this year in the first game of a series. They have not lost yet in game one. Only the Rays have a better winning percentage than the Orioles and the Braves this year. Baltimore, they're averaging just over six runs per game in their last 10. Atlanta is only at 500 at home this year, whereas on the road, they're playing much better at 15-3 and three straight up. It's because Atlanta, they're just weirdly not hitting well at Truist Park. Their batting average at home, 248. Batting average on the road, 274. The Orioles are a resilient group. No matter how down the Orioles get, they always find a way back into games. It helps having such great base runners like Jorge Mateo and Cedric Mullins, who are both top five in stolen bases this year. I like the Orioles on the run line. Game one of a series. Keep the trend going. Plus one and a half. This is my ugliest play of the day. No doubt. Makes me sick to my stomach. Odds are good, though. Oakland Athletics money line plus 125 in a terrible matchup with the Royals, who are laying way too much at minus 150. The total's nine and a half. Rightfully so, the total is nine and a half. These two teams, these bullpens, they're terrible. Two mediocre starters. Here's why I'm riding the Athletics. It's a pricing thing. I do trust their lefty, Kyle Muller, more than I trust Royals right-hander Brad Keller. Muller got crushed by two teams in the Orioles and the Cubs. Two top five teams in OPS against lefties. The Royals have the fifth lowest home OPS, while the Athletics hit better on the road than they do at home. His ERA, Keller, at Kauffman Stadium is a 5-1-9. On the road, 2-9-1. Keller allows a ton more base runners at home, especially because of walks. Nine free passes in just over eight innings pitched at home. On the road, 15 walks in just over 21 innings pitched on the road. Give me the A's. It's going to make me nauseous. Good thing I'll be drinking. It's Friday. So, yeah, A's money line. It's rivalry weekend with the Yankees taking on the Rays in Tampa, the Padres hosting the Dodgers. I can't wait to watch those games. Just not going to bet on them. Too much variance in rivalry games. Too much on the line. Go have fun betting them if you want. I just love the betting world because you find these little edges in the market with teams like the Oakland Athletics. I mean, come on. The Royals shouldn't be favored at minus 150 in any game. Um, Yeah, rivalry weekend. Going to be a lot of fun. Just don't want to bet them. that's it for us here at Base Juice. I just need to end the show. I'm rambling at this point. Time to go catch a flight. Can't wait to go see some friends down in Florida. Going to a concert. Hope you all have a great and profitable weekend. Thanks for coming here on Basis Juice all week long. I'm the Prop Queen, Ariel Epstein. Have a great weekend and good luck with your bets. 